listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So last week we're in our study uh, in the book of Luke. Last week we talked about how that Jesus sent the 12 apostles on their own little miniature uh, missionary journey. And he said, I'm going to send you out. We learned from the other gospels that I'm going to send you out two at a time and you're going to go back through the area that we've just come from and you're going to just basically say the same things that I've been saying to people that have already heard it and just as a, a recap reminder that the kingdom of God is at hand. I hope in in the next few weeks to be able to spend a little bit more time talking about the kingdom of God, how how we're to understand that, where are the first glimpses of that, how how are we to think about the kingdom, but that's not for today. We'll do that in the weeks to come. Uh, We got to get through what we've got to learn for today because we've got a baptism at the end of this day, and this is going to be an exciting time, and I'm glad you're here. So we got to, we got to, you know, eastbound and down, we got to go. So. Jesus sends his disciples on this miniature journey. He tells them, don't take anything. Don't take a bag. Don't take any money. Don't take any food. Don't take a staff in, in Luke. And we learn in Matthew that he says, take a staff. We wrestle with how, how do we figure that out? But basically what Jesus was saying is, I'm sending you off to represent me. And I don't want you to plan to provide for yourself. I want you to go trusting that God is going to provide for you the things you need, protection, sustenance, location of dwelling, and, and, and those things that would be needful for you. I want you to trust that if you're on mission from me, that God will provide for you. So don't take anything. And so that's what they did. And so they've been trusting God for the last few days, probably weeks, potentially months that they've been out moving around. And he says, when you go into a town, I want you just to communicate the message that I've given you. And while you're there, I'm going to give you power and authority from me so that you can cast out demons and heal the sick. We learn from uh, Matthew that he also gave them power to raise the dead. Now, we, we, we really don't think that meant they were to go to the graveyard and start start digging folks out. That's not what he was talking about. But probably if they were in the vicinity of someone who had recently passed, that they could, like Jesus had done on a a few occasions already, actually speak in the name of Jesus and have those people revived. And so Jesus gave them of his power, gave them of his authority to go represent him so that when they would communicate about the kingdom, they could in turn, like Jesus, perform miracles in his name to authenticate the message and to demonstrate Jesus's compassion to those people that he dearly loves. And so that's where they went. And that's what they did. And he said, whatever people refuse to hear from you, Whatever people reject you, whatever towns tell you to leave town, you just need to accept their rejection and just move on. He said, dust your feet off and just keep on moving. Don't let that worry you. So when we find ourselves in verse number 10 of chapter 9 of the book of Luke, it says, on their return, the apostles told him all 
that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. I see here that Jesus cares intimately for his servants. So they've been out, they've been communicating what we learned was actually the gospel of the kingdom. That the kingdom of God was at hand and Messiah is the king offering the kingdom. And and, and they're proclaiming that God's kingdom is, is at hand. It's ready to be revealed. And his name is Jesus. And entrance into that kingdom is through Jesus, the one from Nazareth. And so they're communicating now. They're coming back. And they're tired. They're They're excited. Maybe even some of them are wounded. I don't know if if Jesus said, look, we'll meet back here at a such and such date or if if they just begin filtering in two at a time. But I just noticed that that they come and they're telling him, they're sharing with him all that they had seen. As I was reading this, I I, kind of let my imagination just run a little bit. Bill and I had lunch yesterday and I was just kind of sharing with him about how my just... I'm just imagining what that looks like. Uh, one, of the, one of the dads from, from camp uh, told me that their kid went to camp. When, when, when they came and picked up their son from camp, he's, he told me on the way home, they just never shut up. They just got in the car and they just started and then this and this and then this happened and this, this. And he said, it just kind of just went on and on. And usually this child might not be as talkative. And he's just like, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know why, but I got to hear everything that went on and a lot of stuff I didn't really care about, but it was interesting and exciting to him. I'm just imagining, because has anything more exciting happened in these disciples' life up to this point? Probably not. They had seen Jesus do some amazing things. They they had watched him calm a storm in such a way that they're looking at one another going, "Who, who is this we're in the boat with that can just speak and the waters become glass from a storm? I mean, who is this? And cast out multiple demons out of one individual who was who was uncontrollable, and then raise some little girl. That had recently perished from the death. Who, who is this? But now they've been going from city to city. And they've been speaking in the name of Jesus. And things are happening that they've never been able to do before. So I'm just imagining that Jesus is waiting, excited for them to come. And as they come trickling in, they're talking, they're laughing, they're meeting up with one another. If, if you can just imagine what it looks like for these 12 polar opposite people, this motley gang of followers that Jesus said, why in the world would you choose this group of guys? And now he sent them away and they're coming back. And they're sharing, they're reunited, they're embracing, they're embracing Jesus. And, and he's like, sit, sit down, sit down, sit down. Jesus, you're never going to believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's, let's hear, let's hear. And, and as they're cross-talking over each other, can you, can you just imagine Jesus sitting there with a big grin on his face? 
You know, the fire is going, they're, they're, they're roasting whatever, they're, they're, they're telling, they're, they're laughing, Jesus is laughing. Really, they did that? They said that? They, they did what? Now tell me that again. As they're being reintroduced to one another, it, it kind of makes me go, I wish I could be there at that, at that campfire, but that was fun. To be able to look at the Savior... The, the one who spoke all things into existence. And to have him sitting there going, really? Then, then what? Hey, how did that, Peter, how did that make you feel though? Really? They said that? Really? How did that make you feel? I, I, I'm just imagining that, that, that one of them would be, you know, Jesus, we got there. and it, Honestly, it was, it was three cities before I really got the courage to to speak i sure am glad you sent me with andrew because if you hadn't he was the one talking and i just he kept saying this is your turn you know nathaniel it's, it's your turn this time and i was just like i just don't think i can do it yet God, i'm so glad you sent me with with and really but nathaniel you did you you, you were scared well, tell me about it no what, what what helped you get to that place where you were willing to share you know and and and, and they're just unloading and he's receiving and he's excited. And, and then I just think maybe they're wondering where the last four are. It's all in my imagination. It's not in Scripture. But I, I, I'm just thinking maybe they're wondering where the, you know, there's, there's two sets that haven't come back. And then they begin to round the corner. And they've got one under their shoulder. Because the cities that they went into were hostile to them. As they're coming up and they're bruised and they're disheveled, maybe they're a little bit frightened that they don't even know what to think and how, how to function and they're coming up. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm just seeing the other disciples coming around and, and Jesus making a way. Come t- tell me what happened. Jesus, you, you won't believe we, we went into the city and, 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 and we proclaimed and, and, and we did these miracles. And then there were some folks from the synagogue that came out and, and, and they had sticks. And, and we were trying to get out of town, but we couldn't get out fast enough. And they began to beat us up and, and we were just trying to leave. And I feel like we just about died. And how the mood changes. And it's solemn and, and maybe there's some tears being shed. I'm just imagining because of their tears being shed. Jesus is wiping his own. I know, fellas, but but you're back. You're back. And you did what I asked you to do. See, Jesus cares intimately for his servants. We see it right here because as they were coming, he said, Hey, come, come here. Hey, look, let's let's go over here so we can talk. In fact, I've got a place over in the next town of Bethsaida. Let's go over there so we can just relax. Had the opportunity to get a little bit of relaxing this past summer. Because there are times when you just got to, you, you got to unplug. You, you just, you, you got to let your mind settle. You got to let your body recuperate. You, you, you just got to find your standing again. See, Jesus knew that. He knew these guys needed to just decompress. They, they, they needed to, 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 to just unwind and, 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 and be relaxed for a little while. Come, come with me. He wanted to hear their stories. He wanted to celebrate 
and let them process all that they had experienced. And he knew they were exhausted and needed rest. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Are you his servant? Are, are, are you someone who's, who's actively seeking to fulfill his call on your life to go and make disciples? I'm not saying, have you figured it out? I'm not saying, do you, do you feel like that you're doing a great job of that? I'm just saying, are you someone who has trusted Jesus? You've, you've received him as Savior and Lord, and you're like, God, if you want to use me, I want you to use me, and I think you, you've called me to be a part of your redemptive process of, of, of going and taking telling and sharing and I want to be a part of that well, then you're one of his servants and he cares intimately about you he cares about what you struggle with he cares about the things that you face he cares about the burdens that you bear he cares about the things that that you celebrate. He cares about you. He's not just this, this person that's watching the bad and keeping a record. Oh, he's aware of sin in our life. And, and he absolutely will draw us away from that. He'll, he'll scold us when we intentionally walk out of his way of righteousness. But, but he's the God who cares for us. But then we see, as they're away, in verse 11, the crowds finally figured out where they were. You know, Jesus says, hey, be quiet. Let's go over here. Let's just, let's just relax for a minute. But the crowds, they're, you know, they're, they're investigative. And, and they've, been, they've been interested to why Jesus' disciples have been gone as well. And now they're back. And, and what's going on? And what, what, what has happened? And, and, and let's go find out. When the crowds, verse 11, learned it, they followed him. Hey, he's over here, y'all. Can you imagine? They're in their little retreat area, fire going. They're just settling down. Few of them are asleep. They've nursed their wounds. Some of them are still over there giggling about some things that had happened that they saw. But they're excited about a time just to. And then they hear the crowds. The crowds aren't quiet. Crowds make a lot of noise. Here they're coming. They found us out. And I'm imagining the disciples all going, oh, great. Well, you know, we do that sometimes, don't we? As followers of Jesus, we know we have a role to one another. And we want to be, uh, we want to be active in our, in our uh, very, very uh, demonstrative love for one another and, 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 and look for opportunities to be a blessing. But you know how sometimes those opportunities come on you and inside you're just kind of like, Really? Anybody, anybody ever screen calls? You know, you're just tired, you're wore out, and, and there it goes to ring, and you're like, oh, I just don't have it today. I just imagine that that's what the disciples are like. Oh, man, really? They found this. The crowds learned it. They followed him. And what did he do? He welcomed them. Now, I'm just imagining Jesus not only was seeking to be a refresher to those of his disciples, but I'm just imagining that he wasn't uh, with his feet up all these days and weeks that the disciples were gone. 
I'm just figuring that he was probably busy too and didn't have the help of those men around him. He'd been toting the load by himself for a while. So I'm thinking Jesus is probably just as exhausted as they are, just as in need of some refreshing and some some rest time. And he hears them and they're all grumbling and, and can we hide? Jesus, should we hide? And he's like, no, no, no. We're over here, everyone. Come, come, see me. We're here. You found us. He welcomes them. Why? Because Jesus is never inconvenienced by those who are seeking him. Jesus is intimately concerned about his servants, and he seeks to to care for them like that good shepherd that he is. But when there are those seeking him, he's not ever inconvenienced. We can be inconvenienced by one another. We'll never find that from our Savior he welcomed them. What does that mean? It means he, he received them favorably. It's, it's what you do when you're asleep and you get that call in the morning because the one calling obviously gets up earlier than you do, right? You, you, you don't get up that early, but they do. And they call you that early. And, and you look at the phone and you go, Hello? And they go, hey, I didn't wake you, did I? No, no, not at all. Not at all. It was actually the ringer that woke me. It wasn't you. It was the, the iPhone that woke me up. No, 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 you're good. What's up? It, it's, it's that deciding to welcome, even, even when I don't have it and, and, and I'm not on point, and it's that, boy, I could really use another two hours of downtime. Well, I, could, I, could, I, could sure, I could sure last another evening before we get back at this in the morning. But it's the, the ministry of the immediate that causes us to go, okay, let's go back at it. And Jesus welcomes those even though he and his disciples need rest there are those out there that are seeking him. And he goes, that's why I'm here. Come on, come here. Let's talk. What does he do? He welcomed them and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God. Why? Because that was his message. That that they had been anticipating, that that they had been looking for, that that they had been hoping for was at hand, ready to be revealed through Messiah. And he begins to tell them about the blessings of the kingdom of God. He begins to invite them to follow him, to hear his words, to, to initiate uh, as, a, as a follower of him and put his words to practice. And then Luke tells us that while he's Speaking to them of the kingdom of God, he cured those who had need of healing. He continued the ministry that he sent the disciples on of, of, of proclaiming truth and then doing works to authenticate the message and to demonstrate compassion on those who are hearing. He spoke to their spiritual need and he compassionately addressed their physical pain. Now I think there's a lesson in that to us as followers of Jesus, proclaimers of salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection, that we not only speak to the needs of one's spiritual life, but we also move toward their physical pain with compassion.
Many of you brought items in that we can partner with to uh, the nation of Haiti. We're working with uh, one of the churches in the Ridge Associations, gathering some stuff with these health kits. You should have gotten the, the email communication. If you didn't, let me know. I can give you the items. We still have a few days that we want to gather those items, those, those particular things in, so that we can be a blessing to those that are hurting through that earthquake and that hurricane that's just come through. So we want to be a blessing. We want want to not only speak truth, but also speak to the need that there are there in Haiti. So if you haven't participated, we want you to. We want us to be involved always. You'll be hearing in just the next few weeks how that we as a church can be a continual blessing at the mission. There are things that the mission needs all the time to be a blessing to those that that are homeless and and are in need or struggling. And we want to be a constant source of help. So we've got some items that are always going to be ours to provide and something that you can constantly be participating in. Knowing that the people at the mission are going to hear the Word of God proclaimed to meet their spiritual need, but also they're going to receive compassion that Jesus would have showed them. And wants to continue to show them through us, his representatives. Jesus cares intimately for his servants. Jesus is never inconvenienced by those who seek him. And lastly, Jesus is God the Son who is able to provide for the needs of his people. Now the day began to wear away, verse 12. And the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. There's no no lodging out here. We're camping. We We got people here by the dozens and dozens and dozens. We need to send them. Jesus, we don't have any provisions. We need to send them into the villages so that they can buy food, so they get a place to stay, experience some hospitality. Lord, it's going to be dark before long, and we need to send them to where they can be uh, helped, where their needs can be met. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus, we need to send this crowd back into the villages. They're going to be needing some, some provisions. You give it to them. Now, that, that sounds like a, like a sarcastic thing for Jesus to say. If you read this account in the Gospel of John, you discover that when Jesus said this to them, he did so to test them because he knew what he was going to do in this situation. Well, where had they just been for the last weeks and months? They, they had been out learning lessons about following God and trusting him to provide. They'd spent hours wondering, how's God going to meet this need? What's God going to do for this situation? And now they're back, and they have talked about and laughed about and cried about all the lessons that they had learned, and they were excited. And now Jesus is saying, good, let's go a little farther. Let's push you a little farther in that area of trust. You give them something to eat. They said, we, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we're to go and buy food for all these people. And John, Philip, in his response to Jesus said, God, if, even if we had 200 denarii, I mean, if, if, if we utilized the majority of a year's salary, 
we wouldn't be able to buy enough bread for everybody to have just a little bit. Verse 14, for there were about 5,000 men. We got five loaves, we got two fish, we got 5,000 folks. Jesus, I don't know what you want us to do. Well, see, that was the problem. He didn't want them to do anything but trust him. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now, I did a little bit of calculating yesterday. I just was thinking, well, first thing I did was I keyed into Google and I said, how many people could you fit on a football field? Google says you could fit 54,000 people on a football field. But you know how Google's doing that, right? They got you. I mean, you're not even in the realm of social distancing. I mean, you're like eggs in a carton, right? You're just face to back, right? So I thought, okay, that's, that's not what I'm thinking. But, but I'm just imagining how many groups of 50 folks could you sit down on a football field? And I would say probably not a whole lot. You get 50, and they're spread out, and they got their stuff, and, and, and they're, they're trying to huddle around. You couldn't get. So we're, we're going beyond the football field. We're going beyond 100 yards, maybe three, four football fields of folks. Have them sit down in groups of 50. There's 5,000 men. Well, would it be fair to say that there was probably half that many brought their wives? You think that's fair? So 5,000 and 2,500, you, you think out of those 7,500 folks that there were any children around? I mean, you know, babysitting was probably not a big deal back in that day. So if you had kids and you were going out, you probably brought your kids with you. So let's just conservatively say there were 5,000 men and 2,500 women and 1,500 kids. That would be probably a pretty conservative number, wouldn't it? If you figure, yeah, probably. Well, that's 9,000 people. Some have suggested 12,000 to 15,000 was more accurate. Let's just be conservative, and let's just say we got 9,000 folks that Jesus says we need to feed with five loaves and two fish. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Well, that means that that's going to be 180 groups Divided out by the 12 of us, that's going to mean we have 30 groups each. Even if we had food to give them, Jesus, we're probably going to have to go to the group and back with about a serving of 25. I mean, you're, you're holding food. Even if we had enough, we're going to serve 25 and get them. Served. And then we're going to have to go back and get more and bring another 25. We're going to have to do that 30 times. And we're going to have to go way out for some of these. I mean, short distance at first, long distance. So any of you have played basketball before? You know, at the end of practice, the coaches say, all right, line up on the baseline. We're about to run. Suicides. Terrible name for a drill. But because you start, you run short, back, medium, back, medium, long, back, long, back. And then they want you to do that half a dozen, dozen times. 30 times. You're toting food out to the ground and having to come back. Long distances, come back. 
going up the hillside and over the, and coming back. You, you think that might have taken a minute? 9,000 folks, five loaves, two fish. Have them sit down in groups of 50. And they did. And he had them all sit down. Verse 16, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Now, see, here's the thing. We've all read this so many times. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've even heard me talk about it before. And you know, you say, he's probably going to start saying, and he broke and broke and broke. You say, he's, uh, yep, I knew he was going to do that. He's done that so many We get so callous to this story. Just think about the magnitude of what's happening here. Conservatively, 9,000 people, a bag of McDonald's. Me and Charlie might eat a bag of McDonald's and still could use a little Chick-fil-A to go on top of that. Oh, y'all ain't eating out of that bag of McDonald's, right? You're not doing it. And there's, we're way less than 9,000, right? So that's not happening. What does Jesus begin to do? He begins to break these loaves and these fish. I just think these guys have to take it out there. So here Peter is, he's holding his shirt up while Jesus is down here breaking, putting, breaking, throwing over in there, breaking, yep, you know, it gets a little more, a little more in here, yep, 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 till he's got enough to feed half of the first group. Peter's, okay, goes, other guy's in line, and he just keeps, what, Jesus, where, where do you have the food hidden? No food hidden. Look, the baskets would have been large baskets, uh, big enough. M- maybe not as tall, but they would have been big baskets. A- am-, am I hiding 12 big baskets on stage this morning? E- even if I had 12 baskets full of something and had them covered over with black cloth, you'd be saying, uh, what- what's all that on stage? So none of that. Before Jesus started breaking, there was nothing. And what was he steady doing? Providing. What was he steady doing? Teaching. See, I I sent you out there to trust God to provide for your needs. And he did. Now watch this. I'm providing for your needs. What's that tell you, boys? What's that tell you, boys? You're wondering who I am? Folks around here, even the palace, are wondering who I Who in the world is this? I'm meeting your needs, boys. And I'm meeting the needs of thousands while you watch. It says they ate until they were satisfied. Anybody like Texas Roadhouse? Come on. That's probably our family's favorite, okay? We like Olive Garden. We love Texas Roadhouse. Steaks are pretty good. Why do we go to Texas Roadhouse? Thank you. The rolls. Yeah. They come in. They see us, especially when Rhett's home. It's all five of us. You know, what what they'll do if they're smart, 
as they're taking us to the table, they'll go ahead and grab two baskets, right? Because they look, and they'll say something like, you got, you look like you got a pretty hungry crowd with you. And I'll, I'll laugh and I'll go, ha ha, you have no idea. You'll barely get our drink order done. Those two baskets will be gone. Why? Because it's just bread good. Bread bad, but bread good. (laughs) Well, their bread was a little different, obviously. They survived on bread. But the scripture says they ate until they were satisfied. That may be the first time they had done that in a while. Out of what? Would it be fair to say out of nothing? Out of absolutely nothing. Yeah, but Pastor Kevin, there were five barley loaves and two fit. Touche. Out of nothing. Jesus fed all these people. Exodus chapter number 16 tells us that when the people were in the wilderness and hungry, that Yahweh provided food for them daily. You know what that food was called? manna what was manna it was bread little little wafers that were sweet to the now those probably did taste like texas roadhouse hmm i'd be on to something bread and what did they do every morning went to bed nothing on the ground when they went to bed got up the next morning come out the tent what did they find bread everywhere Gather up enough to eat for the day. They'd take it home. They'd make it in all kinds of different ways. Go to bed. All the bread had been picked up. Get up the next morning. Guess what they discovered? Bread everywhere. So the Israelites knew that Yahweh provides for his people. And specifically, bread. Well, who did God do this through? He do it, did it through a man by the name of Moses, who was God's representative. God God told Moses, I'm going to provide bread, tell the people this is how they're to handle it and and to be expecting it, and you communicate for me. Moses came out, here's what God said, we're going to do this, he's going to provide. They got up every morning, they found it just like he said. On the weekends, it was double the amount because there wasn't going to be any on the Sabbath. They had to have enough for two days, and it was just like God had said through Moses. So in the mind of the people... God provided, but they associated that with Moses. Moses was a big deal because Moses provided for us in the wilderness. No, he didn't. God provided. Moses was just the mouthpiece. In Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22, Moses, in his farewell address, his farewell sermon to the Israelites, said that God is going to provide a prophet like me, but different who is going to proclaim the Word of God to you in a way I can't do it. And so they had been anticipating not only Messiah, but this one called the prophet. Hebrews chapter number 3, verse number 3 through 6 says this, For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. 
Now Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. The people were watching and they were thinking, when was the last time that God provided bread for the people? In the wilderness through Moses. Now, what is God doing right now? He's providing bread for the people in the wilderness. But this one's doing the breaking. This one is doing the serving. This one has not said he's doing it in the name of an. He's doing it in his own authority. Jesus is God the Son who is able to provide for the needs of his people. And they were satisfied. Is it fair to say then that those who seek Jesus will be satisfied? Is that fair? I think it is. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are they, for they will be filled. Now, the people are going to get misunderstood, or Jesus is going to be misunderstood by the people thinking that they need to follow him because he's going to provide physical bread for them. And Jesus is like, that's, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to provide magic tricks and to give you miraculous bread like you expect me to do. I'm demonstrating to you who I am. I am God the Son who cares intimately about my servants. I am God the Son who welcomes those and is never inconvenienced by those who seek me. I am God the Son who is able to provide for the needs of my people. How do we walk away from here as God's people? First of all, everyone needs time to rest and refresh But every child of God needs extended time alone with Jesus to refresh his spirit. We had the opportunity to be physically and emotionally refreshed on our sabbatical away. But physical and emotional refreshment does not always mean spiritual refreshment. To get that, you've got to spend time alone with him. And you know what he wants to know? Your story. He wants to know what you've been facing. He wants to know what you've been struggling. He wants to hear you tell him what's on your heart. He wants to celebrate with you and cry with you and encourage you and tell you to keep going. I'm right here. Ministry is messy, number two. Ministry is inconvenient. We've got to decide to welcome those that Jesus sends to us in his name. It's messy. It's going to involve folks that you're going to really not want to have to mess with at that time. We have to decide that we're going to welcome them. We've got to decide to be inconvenienced and draw them in. Jesus will always stretch our faith beyond our ability. Just as soon as we learn one lesson, 
There he goes, pushing us out of the nest again, saying there's more to learn. There's more to apply. I know you learned that, and I know it was difficult, and I'm excited. Now let's go a little further. Let's push your faith. Let's stretch it a little farther. Some of you are in that right now. You don't like it that, that, that you are being stretched. He's asking more of you than you can do, and that's where you want to be because when you're being asked to do more than you can, that's when you can turn to him and say, what do you want from me? Glad you ask. And then he'll lead us into that that he will do in and through us. And then lastly, Jesus never stops satisfying the needs of his people. So come to him again and 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 again. Because every time you come to him, he will satisfy. Maybe not the way you want him to but certainly in the way we need. Amen? If it is true that you are here and he's never satisfied the major need in your life, and that is forgiveness of sin, being made right with the one who created you, being brought from darkness into light, being born and adopted into his family. If that's not true for you, today it's possible by faith in Jesus, through his death and resurrection, and that alone by faith, embracing him and his mission that he wants to launch you out on, you can be brought into that family, given a new future destination, but a new life today, a new opportunity, a new responsibility. If that's you, boy, don't wait. Don't wait trust him. If you know Jesus, what do you need? Come to him. He'll meet your need in a satisfying way if you'll let him. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to pray for you. But maybe you have a need that you would like us to, to walk with you in a, in a particularly tangible way. You say, I just, I'd like to be able to share my need and have somebody to pray for me. Well, just to your left up front is our wooden cross. And we've got some folks there that would love to pray with you. Love to encourage you. Love just to spend a few minutes with you. And lead you to the one who can meet that need. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son who cares intimately for us who's never inconvenienced by us and who is able to meet our needs according to his riches in glory we're thankful for that we ask that you will help us to see where we need to stop doing on our own so that he can have liberty in our life show us where we need to let go of ventures that he hadn't put us on so we might focus fully on that that he's called us to. God, I pray for that one who may yet have never trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone as the forgiver of sins, as the provider of redemption, 
May they have a faith today. Trust him. God, may they become your children by faith in your son. God, we ask that you'll meet needs today, that you'll prepare us for what's in store. We love you. We trust you. First in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.